Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Matt, high school pastor here, privileged to lead these students and be able to serve the church. And just wanna share a little bit about myself. So I've been a uh, youth pastor here for about six years. Uh, back in March was six years. And uh, it's been a privilege to serve here. Grew up actually at Calvary, product of the youth group, uh, as well as Pastor Chad was actually my kid's pastor way back in the day. Won't tell you how long ago that was for his sake. Uh, but, you know, we've been... Uh-oh. I'm not doing third service now, so sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, so I have the privilege of leading here. Just have been enjoying being the youth pastor here. And, and uh, yeah, just been a privilege to serve. And thank you for being here. Uh, you could have chosen to be anywhere else uh, today, but you chose to be here at church, and I believe God has a word for us uh, and for you today uh, through the Psalms in, in the scripture we have today. If you're joining us online, thank you so much uh, for joining us as well. And uh, just a little bit, I want to show a picture of my family as well. So I'm married, going to be married here six months. So that's my wife, Tanya, and my daughter, Sayla Rose. She was born uh, April Fool's Day, uh, 2020. So uh, 2.30 in the morning. So the best April Fool's joke I ever had. And so changed my life. It uh, changed me as a dad, and now I realize all the things my parents sacrificed for me, and uh, yeah, just how selfish I was. So now I've learned uh, what it's like to be a dad. And, and today, uh, we're in a series called Songs of Summer, and so we're talking about uh, the different psalms we're going through, and Pastor Chad has been leading us through different psalms. Well, today, as Pastor Jay mentioned, we're going to be in Psalms 73. And before we hop in, though, what I'd like to do is a little contest, okay? Is everyone cool to do a little contest? All right, yeah, you bet. you're going to win. All right, Joe. So this is what I need to do. I need to know who the smartest person in the room is, okay? I just need to know. Yep, all of you students have already raised their hand, uh, as you can see. Uh, so I, want, I need to know. And, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to show a video here in just a minute, and I need you to ha do one thing. And this is how I'm going to know you're the smartest in the room. There's going to be two basketball teams on screen. I want you to count how many passes the team in the white jerseys make. Okay, how many passes the team in the white jersey makes? Everyone got that? Kind of give me a wave. Like I said, like I say to high school kids, nod and tell me you're listening even if you're not. Okay, so yeah, so the team in the white jerseys, how many passes they make? So turn your attention to the screen and uh, let's, let's count the passes. All right, here we go. 23, 35, 15. Everyone counting? You got, you got your numbers? All right, 21. Don't mess up. Okay, there we go. Let's pause it there. All right, now you saw the question, but I'm gonna ask the question, but we're gonna do this. On a count of three, everyone's gonna yell out how many passes you got, okay? So then I can hear who the smartest in the room is, okay? Everyone got that? Cool, all right, so on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. All right, I heard some of the right answers. If you said 13, you're wrong. But good job, good try. Uh, if you said 15, you're correct. So who got 15? Put your hand in the air. All right, now take your hand and give your little self a pat on the back. If, if you had a neighbor, you know, if they're comfortable with it, give them a slight tap on the back. If not, tell them, all right, you know, you're prideful. But yeah, you've got 15, you're right. Okay, now I have a, a second question. How many of you guys saw the gorilla? Some of you, okay. If you didn't see the gorilla, just shake your head and like, you're crazy. Yeah, just go, okay, there's some of you are like, what in the, what is he even talking about? All right, let's roll the footage again. Ran into the table. Ro show the footage again. All right, so here they are, they're passing. Wait for it. Some of you guys, your minds are gonna be blown. Wait for it. Entering stage right. All right, by, by the response, I think there's quite a few of you who did not see the gorilla. I promise I did not doctor that video. I didn't change it. I stood here and watched it the same as you. Well, what's interesting about this video and what I love about it is that we can get so focused on a task or a situation that we kind of miss the whole thing that's happening in the video, right? There's something completely different happening, but because we knew this was the task, this was the situation, this is what we were focused on, this is the priority that we miss other things. 
And today we're going to just take you on a journey through Psalm 73. And we're going to talk about this guy named Asaph. And we're going to talk about how God expands his vision to see more than what he thought was happening in a situation. And I believe for some of you today, you're stuck in a moment where all you can see is the basketballers, the basketball players passing around and God saying there's something more happening in the situation in your life that you find yourself in. And what's interesting about Asaph is that, you know, most of Psalms was written by King David, but there's a section of Psalms starting in 73 that's written by Asaph. He was one of the musicians, one of the prophets for King David and most likely also for King Solomon. And he's gonna take us through an experience he has where he sees something, he doesn't understand it, but in the end, God changes his perspective about it. And that's where I'm gonna take you today. And in, in the light of Songs of Summer, we're gonna talk about expanding our vision and we're gonna talk about the ABCs. We're gonna make it as easy as one, two, three. Right, we're gonna go a little Jackson 5 reference, ABC, one, two, three. We're gonna take you through that today. And like I say to the students, if you don't hear anything else, Hear this, that God wants to expand your vision on the situation that you see today. So now you can, you can take a nap, wake up at the end, and you know where we're going today. So the A of the ABCs of our expanding our vision, the A is we want to admit to what we see. If you want to expand your vision, you got to actually pay attention to what you actually see. You got to talk about what you see. Psalm 73, Asaph opens up his psalm by saying this. He says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I had envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph opens up, he says, I know God is good, but I don't see it. A matter of fact, I see the opposite of God's goodness in my circumstance right now. And he says, it's causing my faith to slip. He's causing my feet to be on a foundation that's not secure because when I look at those who are wicked, I envy them. Those who are prideful for the wrong reasons, I want to be them. And when I see the wicked prosper, it makes me question the goodness of God. Today, if you came in this room feeling that way, I want you to, Feel okay to admit that you feel that way. That you've witnessed that to be true. That the circumstance that you find yourself in doesn't seem to reflect God's goodness at all. It's okay to admit to what you see. And today I wanna to give you permission to admit to what you see because if you take two seconds and open your eyes of the world around us, there's injustice that is happening. It seems that those who lie, those who cheat, those who cut corners, those who steal, those who do wrong, those who destroy, seem to prosper. All those who are kind and understanding, those who love others, seem to be taken advantage of. And you might be the honest and the humble. You might be the one who's patient and you're suffering while other people on your job or in your home are getting ahead because they're cutting corners. I wanna tell you it's okay to admit that you see that. God wants to hear you say it. He's not scared of your questions. And I believe that Asaph opens up with this idea. He says, I know God's good, but I don't see it. You might say to yourself, you know God's good, but you don't see it. And what's interesting is he even took it a step farther because he said, I envied the arrogant. Not only did he witness it, he wanted to be them. Because he's like, it must be so much easier. Hey, it must be nice not to have morals. Hey, it must be nice to not follow the rules. Hey, it must be easier to be lazy at work and then suck up to the boss. It must be easier. So he wanted to be like them. And it's okay if you find yourself in that place where you're questioning God's goodness because you see wickedness and the world prospering. It's like he flipped the age-old question on its head when he said, what's the point of being good when good things happen to bad people? What's the point of being good? And we're gonna explore that a little bit, but this is the question he's asking. You may have found yourself asking this question as well. What is the point of being good? Especially if good things happen to bad people. See, admittance of what you see is the foundation for expanded vision. You wanna see more of the big picture? 
You have to admit that you're, what you're seeing right now. You have to declare that the, the vision that you have is what you see and be open about that. Be honest with God about that. And right now, for some of us, I think, I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. You know, if you know anything about the elephant in the room, it's the thing that people don't talk about. It's the thing that you avoid around. And if you really think about an elephant in the room, it's kind of uncomfortable. You'd have to squeeze around the walls just to get around in the room, right? If it was a real elephant. But it's the reason why you don't show up to family parties or you show up late or you leave early. It's the reason why you don't want certain classes or certain teachers. It's the reason why you avoid certain people at your job. Because you just don't want to talk about the things that you really want to talk to them about. That's why you talk about nothing. It's what's interesting is if, if an elephant stays in the room too long, you just abandon that relationship. Like, forget it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to. And then we just avoid it. And that's the opposite of admitting what we see is to avoid it. To say, you know what? If the elephant's out here in the fog far enough away, I can't see it. And so it doesn't exist, but it's still there. The foundation vision is to admit what we see. If you want to expand your vision, you have to admit that you see the elephant in the room. And what's interesting is Asaph continues on in these verses and he has an elephant in the room kind of moment with God. And it's not just a few verses. It's like 10. He says, God, this is what I see that's causing my feet to slip. Psalm 73, continuing on in verse four says, and this is his observation of the wicked and the arrogant. He says they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace and they clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits and they scoff and they speak with malice and with arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance and they say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. And pause there. He says, this is what I see, God. And if you're honest with yourself, this is what you see in the world, the people around you, especially if you're trying to live a holy life onto God and you see other people who are prospering while you struggle and it's like, why do the prideful continue to be inflated and those who are humble and neglected? It's okay to admit to what you see in the world. Asaph goes on to say in verse 13, that surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long, I have been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishments. It's like, God, why do every day I wake up in pain? Why do every day I wake up and this relationship isn't restored? Why do every day I wake up and this part of me is now missing? Why? God's not scared of your pain. And you can admit to what you see. Just admittance of your pain doesn't mean you've abandoned God. If anything, you've gone closer. Verse 15, he finished with this. He said, I had spoken out like this, I would have betrayed your children. And when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. So I know a lot of you who are listening to this word today feel the same as Asaph. You see the world and it troubles you troubles you deeply. You see the wicked prospering. You see the undeserving being lifted up. You see the injustice of extravagant lifestyles in proximity to those who are struggling or going paycheck by paycheck. You see the wastefulness versus those who are surviving. You say, God, why is the world this way? You see the oppression of good people in your life by the wicked. When you consider all of this, you are troubled. I encourage you, admit to what you see. You need to have an elephant in the room moment with God today. Because if you don't talk about those things with God, what happens eventually is that we abandon him. 
because our relationship with him becomes so uncomfortable and our pain doesn't fit in the same space, in the same room as him, and then we stop talking to him. And Asaph had an elephant in the room moment, and you need to have one too. And your relationship with God, and the questions that you have, and the struggles that you've experienced. And I'm not saying that they weren't bad. I'm saying that you should still talk to him. And I'm not saying that you're not hurt. I'm saying that let your pain lead yourself back to him. Because admitting to what we see is a foundation for our relationship and our conversation with God and honesty with God about our struggles sets us up to expand our vision. So if you're questioning God's goodness because you lost someone or there's tragedy in your life, have that elephant in the room moment. Because when it's dark, it is hard to see the light. But talk to God. So minutes to what you see and honesty with God are foundational to expanded vision. Minutes of what you see and honesty with God are the foundation. So admit to what you see. Second thing are, so we got our A, moving on to our B is that at some point, you gotta believe the guide. And we believe that God is our guide to our life. We believe that his words are reflected in the scriptures. We believe the guide of our life. Now, a few years ago, I was able to have the opportunity to travel with my wife um, to Pompeii. If you know anything about the city of Pompeii, it was one that was destroyed from ash from a volcano, was covered and, uh, by Mount Vesuvius. And it's a beautiful city. If you've been there before, if not, I would encourage you to go there someday. It's just a beautiful place to walk through. But the city was really preserved due to this tragedy, right? And so we go in, we're in a group of about 20 to 25 people. You know, we walk in with the guide. You know, there's this beautiful entrance way that you walk in, the wall of the city, you go in through the doors and the guide stops us in this like little courtyard. And he's like, hey, you know, the city is complicated. It's kind of big, you know, stick with us. You could get lost, right? And so he takes us through the courtyard. You know, we're kind of, my wife and I are kind of looking around, you know, we're looking at different things. We're staying relatively close so we can see him. So then we go into this amphitheater and we're talking and he's kind of talking some more about the amphitheater, things like that. And, you know, you start to get bored, right? It's like, you know, they're moving kind of slow. You're like, I want to see this whole city. We only got two hours. And so my wife and I did what any responsible person would do. We ditched the guide, right? We're like, see you guys later. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Like, you know, this is way too slow. We want to see the city. So we go out and we're going through the city and it's just a labyrinth of, of roads. It's kind of cool. You can see the old chariot wheel, like ridges from where the chariots were at. You see the raised steps that keep you over the filth in the road. Like it's just a really cool experience. You know, you see the old houses, uh, you see just how they were set up. There's a bathhouse, all these things. So we're going, we're enjoying the city. And then next thing we know, we're like looking at our watch and we're like, hmm, we got like 30 minutes. So we're like, hmm, maybe we should kind of figure out where the guide is. And so we look around and not to any of your surprise, we couldn't find the guide. We're like, where did this group go? It's like 30 people in the city. Like, you think we'd be able to find them? And so we started panicking, right? We're like, all right, we got to get out of here. We took a bus. We're going to get lost in Italy. Like, maybe that's not that bad. But we're like, we need to get out of this city. And so what happened is like, we're panicking. We're kind of sweating. We're like, all right, what are we going to do? So we kind of walk around at first, trying to figure out our way. And eventually we're like, okay, there's 20 minutes left. Like, what's going on here? And so I'm like, okay, think, think, think. All right, you know what? If we always turn right, eventually we'll get out of the maze. And so we start sprinting through this beautiful city to try to find our way out. And so we're missing all of these cool experiences. We're like stressing out. And you guessed it. I mean, I'm here today. We've, we made it just in time. But we could have saved ourselves a lot of trouble, a lot of sweat, a lot of panic, a lot of stress had we just stuck with the guide. And there becomes times in our faith where it feels like maybe it's getting a little boring or we don't understand why we're sticking with the guide. We know where we're at. But there's a circumstance when we abandon the guide that we're going to need them. And you're going, to lose, you're going to lose a lot of stress, a lot of years off your life, trying to panic and find your way back. And today, I want to encourage you, God's your guide. His word's been given to you, so believe him. And that doesn't mean you can't admit to what you see. It's actually what's built upon because you can admit to what you see and then you can believe the guide. It's like, God, I see this is happening in my life, but I still believe that you'll come through. I can't see how it's going to work out, but I'm going to trust. Because you don't need a guide when things are going well, when you know where you're at. You need a guide when you're lost. Asaph says this, continuing on in verse 16, he says, 
reviewing 16 and going through, he says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Here's the key. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them. It's fantasies. See, when God is our guide, he expands our vision to see the bigger picture, the eternal picture, beyond our limited perspective, beyond our pain, our struggles, and our suffering. God takes what we see and he expands it so that we can see so much more. So for example, I have this first picture. This is what we see. You know, it's up there as well. Happy family, right? There's a guy, he's enjoying his family. It's a good time, you know. This is what God sees. Tragedy about to happen any moment, <laughs> right? It's gonna happen. Yeah, you're like, uh-oh. All right, here's the next picture. This is what God sees, or this is what we see. You know, we see a bride. It's happy bride on her wedding day. You know, it's kind of cool. You know, this is our perspective. All right, this is what God sees. A catastrophe. <laughs> catastrophe waiting to happen. <laughs> Catch that one later. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, some of you laughed. Yeah, that was pretty bad. So, you pastor. And here's the last one. This is what we see a happy little girl enjoying her day. You know, she's having a good life. If you see the meme, you know what's going to happen next. This is what God sees life's on fire. Or she just wants to see the world burn. I'm still confused about which one is true. You see, we get hyper-focused on what we think is a good situation, and if we expand our vision just a little bit, we'll see that there's so much more to the picture. And we see this when we scroll through the lives of other people on Instagram or on Facebook. We see the highlights. We see this small image of how we think their life is, and I believe this is what Asaph's doing. He's looking at pictures of people's lives that are wicked and saying, hey, they're prospering, when behind the scenes, something totally different is actually happening. And so we compare our brokenness to other people's victories, and we find ourselves lost, confused, disillusioned, frustrated, and then it's perpetuated by our comparison. And God says, I know that's what you see, but that's not what's going on. And especially when you're struggling, believe me. There's more to the picture. So we got to admit to what we see. We might see this limited perspective, but ultimately we believe the guide and we got to believe that one who gives us the perspective. We have to believe in the one who gives us the perspective. See, what we don't always see is that those who build their lives on dishonesty and wickedness. They have planned a short-sighted life that's just as easily taken as it was given. They built their self on a foundation that isn't stable. They've cut corners so that they succeed quickly, that they might look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're falling apart. God says, that's actually what's happening when they're prospering and you're not. When you're doing hard work and they're skipping and cutting corners, you know, in the Gospels, it talks about the, the wise man who builds his house on the rock and the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. What's always interesting to me is that sometimes we forget that both the houses look the same until the storm comes. So you know the foundation of a life when it's tested by a storm. And you can't perceive the foundation until it's tested. We see what we think we see, but God knows what they're building their life upon. And so we can believe the guide because he's been there before. He's taken other people through it and he can take you through it too. And that doesn't take away the pain of your suffering. And what is a, you know, a set of verses that Asaph shares all of his struggles is probably years of his life of mulling over it. I'm not saying that you won't suffer for years. I won't, I'm not saying that you won't struggle with questions for a long time. What I'm saying is that you can believe the guide even more so when you can't see. Even more so when it's difficult. I encourage you today to take a step to do that. Believe God. Because God knows the foundation that the prideful are building on. 
God knows the kind of foothold that the wicked are standing on. And he controls the destiny of those who take advantage of others and they're on a slippery slope. A life that's sliding into destruction. A life that can't weather life's many storms. And do you want to be the kind of person who rushes into prosperity and crashes with a boom? Or you want to be someone who's built on a stable foundation that maybe prosperity will come or not, but you will always be able to stand through life's storms. That when people in your family are falling apart, when tragedy strikes, you're the one that can be strong and lead them to Christ. You're the one who can walk them through when everyone else is falling apart. Because in the height of everyone's pridefulness, they'll fall with a crash. And Asaph actually realizes his foolishness as we continue through this psalm because his perspective is foolish in the light of God's perspective. And he writes this, he said, when my heart was grieved, my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. He says, God, I'm limited. I couldn't see the things the way that you see things. Verse 23, and this is the encouraging part, because I know if you're me, I can relate to those first two verses. I'm like, yeah, especially in hindsight in this situation. I'm like, yeah, God, I was pretty dumb. I'm glad you were with me. And this is how Asaph says, he says, yeah, I'm with you always. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me to glory. He says, I guide you by my hand. And, you know, I have, like I mentioned, and you saw the picture, I have a daughter. And, um, you know, we, we like to play around in the yard, have a good time. You know, but she also enjoys our dog. She loves hanging out with our dog and loves it. And so we were, just, the other, just this week, uh, we were playing around in the yard. We came to the front, front of the house and she saw the dog through the window. We have like those windows next to the door. And so she goes up and she like talks to the dog and then she tries to grab the door handle to go in. And so it wouldn't open. And so she kind of got a little frustrated, but she's in this phase right now where she'll grab my hand and then put it on something so that I know that that's what she wants me to do. Like she's not verbal yet, but she really is bossy. And so she'll grab my hand and she puts it on the door handle, right? And so I'm like, okay, well, I'll let her in. So I grab the door handle and I realize, oh, the front door's locked. You know, we came out the back door. So I'm like, oh, the door, I'm like, no, it's locked. You know, let's go around. If you want to see the dog, let's go around. And so she's like, you know, kind of like irritated about that. And so I grab her by the hand, I start walking her. And, you know, like a great child, she just walks with me peacefully around the house. Right? If you have kids, you're like, yeah, no. No, she gets mad, right? She gets angry. And she starts pulling me back towards the door. So she pulls me all the way back to the door. And then I'm like, no, honey, it's locked. Like, look, it's locked. And I'm like, all right, you know. And so I grab her again, walk her again. And now she's screaming and crying. The neighbors are watching. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. You know, like, I can't even be a parent. And so, like, I let her go back to the door. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And so I go back to her again. And I'm like, it's locked. Let's, let's go around. You can see the dog. You know, like, it's fine. So I grab her by the hand again, start pulling her. She's kicking, screaming, crying. I'm like, this is great. And I'm like, all right, finally. And then I just grab her, take her around the house, take her to our back door. The dog's there. And she's like, oh. And then I open the door, let her in, and she's happy. I'm like, what in the world? This is what my parents had to suffer through with me. You know, it's like, but it's like, she knew what she wanted was there. But what she didn't know is the door was locked. And if you're following with me, oftentimes this is how we relate to God when things don't go the way we think it should. And she wasn't wrong. That's the right door. Like she's walked through that door many times to get to what she wanted. But this time it was locked. And only her father knew that. And you might find yourself in a situation with God where you're kicking and screaming and frustrated and crying out. You're like, what's going on here? This is the door. I promise God, this is the door. This is how things should be. This is how we're supposed to go through it. And you say, no, actually, it's not. Believe me. Stick with the guide. See, we can admit to what we see. There's injustice. There's darkness. Things aren't always fair. But what sets us apart is that we still stick with the guide. We stick with God. And we believe him when we can't see it. And I want to tell you that in the midst of, the, of disbelief and pain, no matter who you are, it's in our nature to fight against the Father. So in your situation, where you're at, 
You might be where Asaph's at. He's like, I see this, I see this, I see that, I see this, I see that. God, where is your goodness? Because I don't know. I can't see it. You have loss after loss after loss, and it seems like even waking up is a burden or a pain. Asaph says, I can relate. But you can still believe the guide. There's still more than the perspective of your life that you see right now. And I want to challenge some of you today to give up the fight and believe the guide. Trust your father. You can't see how God's goodness can come from it, but he'll guide you through it. It might seem like the scenic route, but he'll take you there. And ultimately, when we admit what we see, when we believe the guide, the see that we have today is that we've got to change our perspective. If you want to expand your vision, eventually we have to be willing to change our perspective. And I'm gonna give you just real quickly the, the one, two, and three. I promised the one, two, and three. Here it is, but much faster. Here's the one, two, three of how Asaph's perspective changed, how we allowed God to expand his vision. One is that he began to consider the eternal over the temporary. Verse 25, Asaph says this. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. I don't think he just woke up one day and like he was feeling miserable and then one day he was like, oh, actually I'm happy. I think this, this verse was a choice. He said, you know what? I'm still struggling. But I'm gonna admit that I, you're in heaven and there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. I'm gonna consider the eternal over my temporary suffering. And a change of perspective requires us to prioritize the eternal over our current struggles. But that takes work because it's in our nature to fight against the Father. Paul reiterates this in 2 Corinthians 4, where he encourages us with this verse. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, on, what is unseen. It says what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We expand our vision beyond the small pictures of people's lives that we think we see and we open our eyes to the eternal. His perspective changed. The second thing that Asaph did to change his perspective is he allowed his struggles to draw him closer to God. His struggles drew him closer to God. He says this in verse 26. He says, my flesh, my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Ultimately, we all struggle to see the bigger picture. Ultimately, when we're in pain, disappointment, tragedy, it's hard to see beyond it. And that's okay. Because it's in those moments that you see that you need the guide. It's in those moments that you see that God's your portion forever. It's in the moments where you doubt God and you still follow him that you have faith. It's easy to follow the guide when everything's going well. But true faith is found when you follow the guide when things are hard. When you can't see that his direction is leading you where it needs to be. I think for some of you, you need that encouragement today. Give up the fight, believe the guide because he would change your perspective and let your struggles draw yourself closer to him. It's okay that we admit that we don't know why things happen and still choose God. Say that again. It's okay to admit that we don't know why certain things happen and still choose to follow God. You can do that. That takes faith. Proverbs 3, five through six reiterates this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. He's guiding your life. You can accept that your vision is limited, that you don't know why good things happen to bad people. You can struggle in your faith. You can still desire to follow God within that. And honestly, you'd find yourself in the same place as Asaph. And that's okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to wonder. But let your struggles draw you closer to God because God is your strength and portion, especially now that you've exceeded your ability to be strong. 
God is your strength and portion, especially because you're beyond your own ability to keep going. So allow your struggles to draw you closer to him. And finally, number three, how his perspective changed is he valued his relationship over riches. Comes a point where relationship is much more important than riches, where your personal conversations with God is more important than prosperity. Verse 27 and 28, this is how Asaph lands his psalm and this is where we're gonna land the plane today. He says, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. Who you walked with is more important than what you've accomplished. In the big picture, who you have walked with is more important than what you have accomplished. And at the end of your life, the achievements and the successes and the riches will mean nothing if it did not lead you to a deeper relationship with God. Hebrews 12 gives us this encouragement. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The truth is life is hard. And the truth is sometimes it's hard to see God's goodness and tragedy happens and injustice happens. And all of those things, allow those struggles to draw you closer to God, allow him to give you an eternal perspective because you know binoculars are useful if you wanna see something really close. Binoculars are useful to give you exact vision. But when you pull out the binoculars, you lose sight of everything else. And today, in this moment, I believe that God's calling you to pull off the binoculars of pain and disappointment in your life. The things that are true, the things that hurt, and have that conversation with God. Trust the guide and allow him to expand the vision of your life because your relationship with him is the only thing that will endure, is the eternal, of eternal importance. See, so we see through this psalm that Asaph, he was hyper-focused on other people's successes. He was blinded by his own flaws. He got stuck in a temporary moment. And when he entered God's sanctuary, here's the hinge point. When he enters God's sanctuary, everything changed. And this morning, you're in God's sanctuary. And in this moment, everything can change. Your circumstance might be the same when you leave, but the way you see it will be different. How you function in it will change. Your faith in him will grow. God's calling you to allow, allow him to change your, your perspective today. So can you stand with me? And we're gonna go into a time of worship. But before we do, I wanna give a simple challenge. And if you feel comfortable as a sign of reverence to God, maybe bow your head. And just real quick, I wanna share this with you. You know, it'd be, it would be kind of wrong of me to go through this whole uh, teaching and not give the opportunity for those of you who have maybe never accepted Christ in your life. You never decided to walk in a relationship with God because you're like, hey, stick with the guide. And you're like, Pastor Matt, I don't even know the guide. Well, today, this is your opportunity. And the scriptures say that it's a rather simple adventure to start. In Romans 10, 9 through 10, it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And I would encourage you that you entered this sanctuary today for a reason. And the eternal God wants to meet you in your temporary moment. And when you worship, pray to God and confess your sins. Say, God, I wanna begin a relationship with you. I don't necessarily know what that means, but I know your word leads me there. And begin your journey with him today. For another group of us, I wanna challenge you that you need to discuss the elephant in the, mo elephant in the room moment with God today. You have things in your life that you don't talk to God about and it's hurt your relationship with him. In his sanctuary, in worship, why don't you give this opportunity to talk to him? Pray out loud in the words that he can hear and that you can hear and affirm that he hasn't abandoned you 
but that he's with you. For some of you in worship in the sanctuary today, you might have to give up the fight and just believe the guide. It's like, yeah, you are suffering. Yeah, life has been unfair to you. Yeah, it has been tragic. You can't see God's goodness because it's too dark. But say, God, despite that, I believe you. I'm gonna quit struggling against you, thinking that this is the right door, and I'm gonna trust my Father who's gonna guide me to where I need to be. And ultimately for all of us, once you allow this moment of worship to give you a new perspective, even if you're not struggling, maybe life is going all right, allow God to change your perspective today because every time you come into his presence, you meet him in the sanctuary, when you're open, you're changed. So this is your opportunity as well. Can we pray together and then, and then we'll worship? God, we just thank you. God, we thank you that you are the good God who goes with us in all seasons of life. Lord, when we can't see how it's gonna work out, when things seem to be so unfair, or when life is just tragic, which it is, I pray for the one in the room who feels like they can't see your goodness anymore. They knew your goodness in the past, but not now. Lord, I pray that you would meet them here in your sanctuary. Lord, that they would feel your presence in a way they haven't before. And Lord, I pray that you would guide them by by your hand. I pray as you reach out to them in worship, they would reach back. And with hearts raised, inhibitions abandoned, they say, you are my father. You are my guide. God, change my perspective. Lord, I pray you would meet us in this place once again and that our hearts will be open to meet you. Lord, expand our vision in these moments of worship. And Lord, we thank you and we ask all of these things in your name. Amen. God, we're so grateful that you're here in this place. Come on, there's freedom in the name Jesus. There's breakthrough and deliverance, even in this moment. Would you believe it with us and sing together with us this morning? This one name holds weight above them all. It's his fame, how last the earth he falls.
Come on, sing that. Oh, we lift up our eyes. See the King has come. He's the light of the world reaching out. There is no other name. There is no other name. Jesus Christ, our God. Oh, seated on high, the undefeated one. The mountains bow down as we lift him up. There is no other name. There is no Jesus, oh, it's only you, it's only you, Jesus. Come on, let's not rush past this moment. Won't you join just for a moment? I believe even right now that some chains are being broken in this room. I think addiction is being broken in this place. Pride is falling off. I think even, I just feel restoration. The word won't leave my heart right now. He's restoring marriages even in this moment. He's restoring friendships in this moment. He's restoring family. So won't you join me? Maybe for someone you love. Maybe for someone who, maybe it's for you at home. Won't you take a few moments to lift up that name Jesus? To believe that he's breaking the chain. That he's bringing back together what you thought was impossible. God, thank you for freedom and wholeness. Oh, you're here with us, Lord. It's only It's all because of you, Jesus, oh Lord. Oh, we need you, need you, need you, Lord. Thank you for freedom in this place. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom.
your eyes for a moment and uh, it would be a tragedy for us to come to church to watch a service and then maybe just walk away without truly I think this happens so many times without truly coming to terms with what God might be speaking to us in this moment and whether you're watching online or you're in this room or another venue in this moment there are some of us that need to take a moment. We've seen this throughout the Psalms and deal with the elephant in the room. Maybe right now you need to say, God, I don't understand what's going on around me. I even wonder if there's not someone who's right at the edge of saying, I don't even know if I believe this or I'm not even sure I can do this. And today has been a loving nudge and reminder from God that he is here through it all. That line when Asaph says, when I came into the sanctuary of the Lord, there was a moment where he just had to say, God, I, I believe you're my guide. Like I trust you. And I can't help but think that there's somebody, your, your vision has been so focused on what's wrong that you're not able to see the God who's wanting to make things right. And that right now in this moment, you'd be willing to say, God, would you expand my vision? God, would you show me your faithfulness? God, in this moment, I entrust myself to you. I make you my God. Put my life in your hands. 
Father, we know that you have been so good. Your goodness in the past can be recounted over and over again. Great is your faithfulness. And in this moment, Lord, we thank you for that. And so God, I pray with the one who right now feels the pressure of the things that are so in front of them right now. Lord, would you expand their vision? Would you show them who you are? Would you show them that you can be trusted? Lord, would you help them in this moment not to walk out of here, not to leave this service the, the same way, with the same weight, with the same challenges that they had when they came in, but Lord, would you help them to entrust that to you? Right now, would you speak peace to the one who is struggling? God, would you, for the one who is weak, would you remind them you are their strength and their portion forever? Lord, for the one who wonders if any of this is even real or can they really put their confidence in you, Lord, as they take this step of faith and trust in you, would you show them so clearly who you are? Love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here today. Lord, would you allow your word, Holy Spirit, to just grow deep in our hearts? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.